Hey, this is Alan Hall from Sela, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On this week's episode, we sit down with Alan Hall of Sela. Sela has two new albums coming out this Friday, Greatest Hymns Volume 3 and a Christmas album at this table. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, a podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. All right, guys, so I saw that in North Salt Lake City of Utah, uh, last week, last Thursday, a bunch of residents woke up to a smell of rotting meat in the air. And police began to receive phone calls uh, from several several residents, worried that there was an overflowing sewer, uh, that maybe there was a, a truck full of meat that had turned over and starting to go bad. They were worried that, you know, maybe a drainage ditch had some issues. And so all these reports, they were received within an hour, over 50 calls from residents around the city talking about this putrid smell. Some people said that they were worried there was a dead body. Some people were saying, um, you know, that they were to the point of getting sick and they were feeling nauseous and people were uh, going uh, as far as uh, going to the ER because they were concerned about they they, they were breathing in um, something from I, I forget exactly what I read but there was like a lake bed drying up and there was some kind of chemical they were worried about breathing in anyways so it was this big deal and they could not locate the smell police went all around the city uh, government officials went all over the city and they said that there were pockets of the smell throughout the city but they could not locate the smell and it was in, it was around the entire city. Hmm. And yet, after hours and hours of looking, they were unable to figure out where it was coming from. And so now still? all the residents... Still? Still, they do not know what the cause of the smell was. And some people say it's the same smell as... So one guy that they were interviewing said, it smells like they left rotting steak and fish in the sun for weeks. Hmm. So it's still unresolved. Yeah. So basically, they, from what I read, the wind comes in and it blows the smell away. For it a little still bit. happens. It's so it's gone as of now, but they could not figure out what Where was it came causing from. it. They have no idea. I also saw that they opened a new Taco Bell in that city just the week prior, <laughs> so we might have we might have an answer to. Well, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, could you imagine? Like it's the it's like the classic elevator being on the elevator. You smell the smell, and you know one of the people in that elevator is guilty, except citywide, <laughs> citywide. Except no one knows who's guilty. Nobody knows who's guilty. Um, it, it just, to me, when I, when I read it, I was like, that's weird. Like mm. the whole city was smelling something and they have no idea what it was. Yeah. That's odd. It's gotta be like some natural gas or something that they're like coming said, out Taco, of the earth. Like I said, Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell leads to natural gas, which is, that's obvious. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a um, new White Castle that opened? 
Well, no, because the smell's gone. So if it was White Castle, they'd still be experiencing it. True. <laughs> we always end up talking Gift about that keeps fast on giving. Food. We always end up talking about fast food somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like Jesse said in the beginning, we well, I recently just got to sit down with Alan from Selah and fun fact that you guys will hear in the interview uh Jesse and Chris and myself, we were talking about, you know, how we normally do story behind their, you know, some of the hits. But one song that we really wanted to know about was um, off their Hiding Place album called Asango. And I got to ask, yeah, I got to ask Alan about that. And so you'll get to hear that more. And of course, two new albums this coming up Friday, Greatest Hymns, volume number three. And at this table, a Christmas album. Check out the interview. All right, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me today. Hey, how you doing, Jacob? Good, how are you? Good, good. All right. here in Nashville, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Florida right now, and so it's a pretty day, too. It's not too hot. It's been in the 70s, so it's not too bad. Good. Yeah, we've had a, I, I think this must be, I'm wondering if this is what California or Colorado feels like. We've had almost three weeks of just, Clear blue sky, sunshine, no humidity, which, you know, for Tennessee, no humidity is incredibly rare. I mean, with you being down in the south, too. So uh, part of me, is, I mean, it's just been incredible start to fall. Now, I don't know. Mm. If, usually we kick on up into the 80s again, which that may happen. But I'm like, I'm like, man, is, is this what California is like every single day? Now, I would want seasons, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> right. Right. So, Alan, you are a part of the trio Selah. And so can you uh, just tell our listeners how Selah got their start? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll try to give a quick bullet summary. We started, this is our 25th anniversary. Wow. We started in 1997. I know. Uh, we are so thankful to have been able, you know, a lot of artists, uh, for whatever reason, various reasons, don't get to have a, a long career like this. So we are so thankful to have lasted a quarter century so far. In fact, I remember after our first album came out, I remember praying and hoping and just asking the Lord, please let it do okay enough that we get to do a second album, you know? So here we are 25 years later, which I, again, we're so thankful for, but I met Todd. I, I I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. born, born and raised there, moved to Nashville when I was 18. I felt a call on my heart from about probably age seven years old that uh, God, I really felt him wanting me to help people through music. He had, I'm the only one in my family that does music as far back as we can trace. And uh, no one paints, no one writes, no one does poetry, anything like that. So um, so I was kind of the little weird oddball that he just kind of zapped with with music, you know, a little creative thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of left to my own devices. I learned to play out of a hymnal growing up, all that good stuff. So at 18, though, uh, I moved to Nashville to go to Belmont College at the time. It's now Belmont University. Great music school, great music business school. And it was so great to get to a place where music was normal and talking about music was normal and being with, you know, I I was, my friends were like, oh, my whole family grew up singing or, oh, my whole family are musicians. I'm like, wow. You know, just to finally be like, okay, people, families do do that, you know, some, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, um, so I got to Belmont and, and Nashville in 1988. Todd came along a few years later in 1992. We started working together musically at school just for, I mean, like he would do showcases. You know, he's, a, he's an unbelievable singer. And so I would accompany him on different things. Do the, So we, we connected that way. But And we enjoyed working together. But it was never a like, a, hey, man, let's put this group thing together. Let's do this. So we just did occasional projects together at school. Really enjoyed it. 
Um, so fast forward a little bit, I was out of college just trying to, you know, figure my way like anyone who comes to Nashville or probably New York or, or Los Angeles, depending on what creative endeavor you want to go into. You know, I was working like four and five jobs, part-time jobs, just to keep rent and keep food on the table for mm-hmm. me, uh, but leaving me enough free time, hopefully to pursue musical opportunities that would pop up at a moment's notice. So, uh, so I was doing that. And, um, around 1990, so I was doing like music business stuff, playing church piano. Well, Todd, my church, uh, music minister, I was playing at a couple of churches, but one of them, the church music minister, had, he was a singer as well. So he left for a weekend to sing. And he said, hey, do you have someone that can just come and stand up here and lead? He said, we're not going to do choir. He said, just basically stand there and do this, do the conducting <laughs> thing, you know, do the arm, do the arm thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I was like, hey, I said, I've got the guy. And so I called Todd and I said, hey, all you have to do is I said, we're going to sing some hymns for the church. I said, just you just need to stand up at the podium with the microphone and just lead. And that's all you need to do. He's like, sure, sure. So we did it. And then people were like, oh, wow, they they really enjoyed it, which I knew they would because his voice, you know, he's one of the greatest singers I've ever heard. And Mm -hmm. he's one of my dearest friends. But I say that objectively. I think Todd has one of the greatest male voices in music, no matter the genre, pop music. I'd put him up against anybody. And uh, so uh, I knew the folks, I knew the congregation would love him. And um, so they said, hey, could you guys like put on a concert for us, please? And, you know, like in two weeks, they wanted it like in two, 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 two weeks on a Sunday night. And, you know, you're young and dumb. You don't know how much work goes into putting on a concert. So we were like, OK, you know. And uh, so as we started working on it, Todd didn't want to do it alone. So he roped his sister, Nicole, in. And this was probably, I'd say, probably 96 by this point, 1996. So he wrote his sister, Nicole, in, and we didn't have time to put together a band. We didn't have time to write original songs. So we just all grew up on hymns, and we loved them. And so we were like, hey, well, let's just do piano vocal, and let's just do hymns that we love that move our hearts. We're like, if we love these songs, hopefully that will move the congregation, and they'll hear our heart in them, and they'll it'll touch them. And so that happened. Uh, so we did that concert and then it just kind of snowballed. People were like, hey, can you come to my church and do this? Can you come to my church and do this? And then finally we went and did a youth. So this is still like 1996, mm-hmm. uh, early, by this point, maybe early 97, you know, starting to do a few shows. Again, we were just enjoying being in each other's company and making music. Even then, we still weren't like, hey, we need to put a group together. You know what I mean? Like Nicole right. was already signed. Nicole had gotten signed in 1995. She'd come to Nashville got signed to Curb Records as a kind of a pop solo female artist. Um, And I was hoping to be a producer or a session musician, things like that. That's kind of where my heart was. And that's what I was trying to work on. Todd, uh, you know, was finished in Belmont. He was actually about to head back up to William Tyndale. He wanted to be a Christian artist, but he was always thinking solo artist. And he thought, you know, I really need to, he said, if I'm going to stand up on stage and present the word to people. He said, I want to deepen my knowledge. So he was actually leaving Tennessee to go back up uh, and momentarily to go back up to a William Tyndale college back up in Michigan, a Bible college. Mm-hmm. And he got it. He ended up going up there and getting a two year degree. But it, all that to say, we finally did a concert in Indiana that his mom came to. Oh, then Todd Nicole's mom came to, it was a youth group concert. So we were like, how on earth did we get talked into going to sing hymns for a bunch of teenagers we were like we're, we're like we're gonna get murdered you know like we thought they would walk out or throw things but i tell you what so we just did our regular stuff just did the hymns and they had us i'll never forget this after we sang his eyes on the sparrow they shot to their they were quiet for a minute and then they shot to their feet 
And they just kept hollering and they were clapping and they were worshiping and they kept saying, sing it again, sing it again. And we couldn't go on with the concert until we sang his eyes on the sparrow again for them. Wow. And then, and then after the concert, I loved this, uh, a 16 year old kid came up to me and he was like, man, he said that it is well with my soul song. He goes, that's pretty great. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, he goes, did you guys write that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, so I, you know, I, I, I tried to stifle my laugh. You know, I didn't want to laugh at him. Then, uh, so I said, hey, no, uh, you know, I kind of chuckled, but I pulled the hymnal out. This is when church, we were in a church, still had hymnals on the back pew, you know, when you mm-hmm. see that. Uh, so I pulled the hymnal out and I turned to it and I said, man, it's right here. And I, I kind of flipped through and I said, a lot of these songs we sang are in this book. And I said, I tell you what, I said, if you'll take the time to really learn these songs or just just take a look at them and read these words. And I said, if you learn to sing a few of them, I was like, there's I said, it is so musically rich in this book. I said, these songs have stood the test of time. I said, a lot of them were written out of places of heartache and pain and brokenness. I said, and that's why I told him, I said, that's why I think they've lasted this long. I said, and that's why I think you're having a reaction to them tonight is because they're real. They're, mm-hmm. they're incredibly real. I said, in fact, the guy that wrote it as well with my soul, I said, he lost four daughters at one time in a shipwreck. I said, so he lost four children. I was like, and then when he was on his way, I said, his, his wife and his children were crossing over to England. I said, and they, the, they had a shipwreck and his daughters drowned. His wife survived got on the, over to England. I said, he went to join his wife to be with her, to help her and comfort her. I said, and on the way, when they got to the area of the ocean where approximately he lost his daughters, he'd had the ship captain notify him. And I, and I was telling this young man, I said, you know, I said, so he went out on the ship deck, looked at the ocean and he's, and, and just the words were coming to him. He was like, when sorrows like sea billows roll, even so, it is well with my soul. I said, and when you know the heartache that that man went through and then writing this, I said, those lyrics take on a completely different meaning than if you just sing them not knowing that background. And so and he was like, wow. And I said, so I just encourage you to, I said, man, I love that you love these songs. I said, they're not just old stuffy things. I said, they're real. And they came from real places of brokenness. And these writers leaned on God. And um, so he was, I'm glad he took that away and I'm glad he loved it. Uh, anyways, man, got on a little tangent there, but <laughs> you're fine. But um, but so Todd's mom. So I, I'll try to wrap this up here quick for you. Todd's mom was at that concert and she saw how the the kids responded, but she saw how the adults in the room were responding too. And um, so she said, "Hey," she said, "I don't have a lot." She her her father had just passed away and left a little bit of an inheritance to her, and she said, "What if I give you like two thousand dollars?" She said, could you guys go? She said, I think you need to record this and put it down. And so we were like, okay. And at the time I was living with three other guys, you know, again, the story in Nashville of whatever city I was living with three other guys. We were all broke. We were all trying to make our way in the music industry. Two of them went on to be incredibly successful songwriters. And the third one, his name is Jason Kyle Setby. Jason at the time was an intern at a studio in Nashville up on Music Row. So I said, hey man, listen, and he was just learning. He was just beginning and learning. But I said, I said, we have a little bit of money. Could we pay you 10 bucks an hour? Do you think we could use your, your boss's studio to record up on Music Row? And he said, I'll check with the boss and see. Mm-hmm. And then that guy, uh, his name is uh, Mark Lambert. Mark up on Music Row at the studio on the United Artists Tower. 
Mark said, hey, he goes, okay. He said, I'll, I'll let you have it for like 30 bucks an hour, which for studio time, anyone who doesn't know is beyond incredible. Sure. And, for, and especially for a, a quote, a real major studio, mm-hmm. you know, this was in the, this was in the mid nineties, mid to late nineties. So you, you didn't have all this technological stuff that we have now where you can make honestly a great sounding record in your bedroom almost, you know, you really needed to go to a quality studio to actually have quality product and have a quality sound. So uh, he was incredibly generous with us. So we got up there and um, uh, and he was like, yeah, we'll do it for 30 bucks an hour. He said, you'll just have to work around the uh, major acts. So we would end up recording at one in the morning, two in the morning, you know, around <laughs> all the country acts that, you know, that had already booked the eight, the big time. But uh, so we did the whole thing. We started on Father's Day of 1997, Todd, Nicole and me and Jason Engineering. And we we just did. We put down an album. 10, uh, 10 or 12 songs of old hymns, just hymns that we'd been doing in the concerts, piano, vocal, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really sweet and really special. And the whole point of it was to, that we were just going to give that to like the, uh, Todd, and Todd Nicole's parents have a ministry, long-term ministry in Africa, in Congo. That's where Todd, Todd grew up, Todd Nicole both grew up in Africa for about eight years in their real formative years. They lived out there way out in the bush in Congo. Like they didn't have, ele- they only had electricity for like two hours a night off of a generator. And I mean, so hardcore missionary life. And so they were out there for sure. eight years. So their mom wanted this to be a little gift to uh, there's like, you know, if you give like, hey, if you give X amount to our ministry, you're going to get this CD of my children and a good friend of theirs singing these beautiful old hymns and we think you'll love it. That was the extent of it. And that's what it was going to be. Nicole gotten permission from Curb to do it. She said, hey, I'm just doing this little thing with some friends and uh, can we for my parents ministry. And they were like, sure, sure, sure. Well, we finished it two weeks. So this is, you know, uh, June of 97. She mm-hmm. took it over to Curb so they would have a record of it. They would just so they'd say uh, she they'd have it. And she said, this is what we did. Well, Mike Curb, who was the label head, took it. I mean, he he got it from her, took it home. He called her the next day and he said, I've played that record almost all night. And he said, the simplicity of it is beautiful. He said everything. He, he said, I want to sign the three of you as a group. Wow. And he said, I'll keep you mm-hmm. as a solo artist as well. He said, but I want to sign the three of you as a group. And uh, so she called and I was, I mean, blown away. And Todd was, I mean, you know, so that was really the beginning. And that what we did in that two weeks ended up becoming our first album. It was called Be Still My Soul. They gave us a little bit of a budget, not much. Curb was like, I don't want you to change anything. He said, but if you wanted to add um, like some strings, which we did, we ended up adding strings to like three or four songs, I believe. We added a little percussion to a couple of them and a little acoustic guitar. But other than that, we kept it completely simple, exactly what we had recorded for just what was going to be just a little independent project for for Todd and Nicole's parents' ministry. So that all, so that's kind of, that's kind of the very beginning. And that album ended up, it was our first album and it won the Dove Award for Inspirational Album of the Year the next year. Wow, that's so, incredible. And then, yeah, and like I said, I, I remember when that one came out and I finally saw it in the stores. And oh, and here, I know I'm kind of rambling, but I, I was thinking, I was actually still working at Media Play. I don't know if a lot of your listeners, do you remember that at all, Jacob? You may be too young. Media but, Play? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It, well, it was a big store, almost like a Sam Goody. Okay. Tower Records. We, we sold, uh, I, I'd been working there. That was one of my part-time jobs in addition to playing at the churches and all mm-hmm. the music and stuff. Um, so I was actually a clerk in the store. And we actually, st- I was stocking my own record. <laughs> I was working at Media Play. We sold videos, CDs, and all of that. So when the album came out, 
I was still working at Media Play. You know, we were starting to do a tiny bit of traveling and starting to do promo things, mostly promo, mostly promotional dates, which don't really pay the artists. So, you know, I had to keep working on the side, mm-hmm. even after the record was out for a little bit. The first album was out. So all my coworkers, you know, when it, they'd put it on, on the, in the, you know, they put it on over the big speaker system in the store. And when they, throughout the day they go, y'all, this is our very own Alan Hall and his group <laughs> Sela. They're like, go see him over in the video section. <laughs> So, so I, oh man! Did you <laughs> did you buy all the copies in the store for yourself or no? Yeah, actually, I bought a few. I was like, "Ooh, I'm gonna keep some with the stickers on," you know. <laughs> and so, but yeah, I remember I I was stocking my own CDs. So yeah. that's, that's one story. And then we'd actually gone again related to media play. We had gone in 1998 while they were starting to promote the album and get it out. Again, you can't live off of that as an artist. It's just a music business thing for folks listening. You know, promo dates don't really pay your mortgage or put food on your table and all that stuff. You have to do them, but it mm-hmm. took time away from your other jobs, you know. So, uh, but I, we had just done the big thing. There used to be a big, big festival in Estes Park, Colorado, that the GMA, the Gospel Music Association, would put on. New artists would go there all the time, established artists. It was a whole week-long beautiful thing up in the up in the Rockies. So when we were just starting and the album had just come out, we were doing that and we were doing promo. So we'd sang, had a great, this was like on a Thursday had a great time all week. You know, we did a Thursday night show. People were, we were loving it. They were loving it. They were loving us. I was just on this high. Fly back to Nashville on Friday. Saturday, I'm back in the store wearing my little yellow apron, you know, with media play displayed (laughs) across. But this couple had come in and I went over to help them find, I was like, hey, you know, can I help you find something? And the lady was, she kind of glanced at me, but then she was looking back at the shelf and she's like, you know, I'm looking for some movie. I love, and then she, she looked back over at me. She goes, oh, she got this shocked look on her face and she was like, Oh my gosh. She said, you, you, she said, you were, uh, she said, you were just in Colorado. She said, singing with like these big Christian artists on stage. And she said, in your own set, she said, y'all were incredible. And I was like, well, thanks. And then she looked me up and down and she goes, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> and I said, and I said, well, I said, we're not Amy Grant or Michael W. Smith yet. I said, I got to make a living. You right. know, I said, we're not doing We're not quite doing that yet. We're just starting. So, so yeah, that, that just some fun little you know that things funny. That, that you know folks may not know. Kind of sure. when you're building an artist career, just some of the crazy stuff that can happen. Mm. So Alan, normally we, me and my brothers, we try to pick one or two songs to ask our artists the story behind the songs, and overwhelmingly, all three of us named one Selah song, and it's off of uh, my favorite album of your all's, The Hiding Place. Oh yeah. And uh and it's not it's not a song like it was probably a top t- 10 Selah song or whatever but it's a sango. And we love <laughs> we love that song. Like we've always loved that song and oh, and when we were planning for this interview uh my brothers all three of us were like we want to know the story behind that one because every time we hear it we're like yeah we just start singing it and and we we don't really know the the other words like the the you know the african words and so we oh, just yeah. we kind of just do our best when we sing it so <laughs> could you tell us and our listeners uh the story behind that song man i wish todd was on cuz he could really dive in with you <laughs> but that song they used to sing it in their mission station as kids when he was a kid, and and on long drives todd said when they were there out there in africa at the mission station you know they were doing evangelizing so they would be at their mission home but they would but they would drive out to all these villages all the time. They would pile into these big like army trucks, really, or big just big trucks, 
that only went like 12 miles an hour, he said. So, it, you know, it was journeys, days, journeys to these villages and days back. And so he said a lot of the Congolese evangelists that were in their Bible school, their Bible school classes, and went with his family, that, uh, he said they would just sing all the time. And this was one of their very favorite songs out there in Congo mm. that they would sing. And I believe the language Todd speaks too. Uh, there's Ketuba is the main language that okay. he speaks growing up. It's, it's kind of a trade language, a bunch of, you know, it's kind of a, a more common language. Um, of course, there's so many languages out in Congo and, and on the African continent and all of that. So he speaks Ketuba. And also another big one that a lot of the songs are in is called Lingala. Now, this song, I think, might be in Lingala. But uh, so he doesn't speak it as fluidly as Ketuba, but he can speak speak it. But the average Congolese person speaks five languages, which is amazing. Like if French, you know, and then what other other dialects, Ketuba, all of that. So all, this song, uh, yeah, it was just a favorite of theirs growing up. And so we started doing that on each album, like from the from the very first album. They Todd and Nicole wanted to honor their parents, and they wanted to pay honor to that heritage they had growing up as missionary children in Africa. And so we've always done an African song, you know, uh, Congolese, Lingala, Ketuba, whichever flavor of song on each album, because it's so authentic to who Todd is. And uh, But mm -hmm. that was just a really catchy, like he said, I always loved that one. He said, because it was so catchy. He said, it's so singable. And we thought that we thought American audiences would really enjoy that one, you know, and learning it. And, and it is, it's so, especially the call response part of it, you know, mm -hmm. it's such a fun way to sing and it's great for audiences to sing along and it's a lot of fun but i'm, I'm glad you guys that's a great yeah. pick for that one it's a yeah. it's just an upbeat catchy thing and like i said i'm sure todd could todd had to teach me and uh they uh, todd and nicole had to teach me and then of course now that amy when amy joined us in 2005 mm. after nicole left uh we had to teach he had to teach her all of these songs too like you know how to pronounce and sing yeah. and go into the meaning and stuff so but uh but you know it's a great song yeah so your latest single, Put Your Hand in the Hand, classic from yeah. Anne, Anne Murray, and a great song. And so could you tell our listeners, you know, how you guys came upon choosing that song and, uh, you know, just tell us about that. Sure. Uh, the I'll tell you, real, the album it's off of is our, uh, actually October 14th, coming mm -hmm. up soon. Yeah. Is uh, the two we're releasing two albums on one day this year? We're releasing the first one's Greatest Hymns Volume Three, which is where Put Your Hand in the Hand is on. Was what that's what it's on. Um, and we the the we the reason we did the Greatest Hymns album this year, I thought it'd be a great time to kind of since it's been 25 years, we wanted to give the fans a lot of music this year to thank them for supporting us. And, you know, we wouldn't be still doing this if they still weren't buying our music I, or, you know, I was about to say buying our CDs, but I guess streaming now, however, they're, however they're doing it now, maybe still buying some CDs, but uh, coming to our concerts, you know, th they're supporting us. They're allowing us to keep doing what we do and we appreciate it so much. So we wanted to, we're like, what can we do for our 25th anniversary for them, for every, for all of our listeners, for all of our Sela friends, we call them our Sela family because it's a fan. I mean, they're way more than fans. Like we sure. love, we have great dialogue with them after shows in person. And then of course, through all, you know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Todd even got us on TikTok, which I don't know anything about, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so we're on all the socials. So we interact with them and we love them. And, and, and we're honored when they share like really deep stories with them about how some of our songs have helped them through difficult parts of their life that matters the world to us mm -hmm. but um so we were like okay let's give them a lot of music this year so we had the crazy idea of trying to do two albums and we had a tight schedule to do it and 
I don't know if we'll ever do that again, but we were happy to do it this year. But if, maybe on your 50th anniversary. It. Yes, maybe on the 50th. Maybe, maybe we'll try to do three on the 50th. I don't know. But um, so so uh, but I thought it'd be kind of a cool way to to book into the first 25 years. If we kind of if we did an album that was almost just like Be Still My Soul 25 years mm. ago when we had no money to record. When we, you know, very small budget, and, and and just as a reference for your listeners who may not know a ton about the music industry, when we started in the '90s, and our first, the Be Still My Soul album was two thousand dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Album budgets generally, especially in the '90s, now not nowadays, since you know things have changed way way much since then. Uh, but back in the '90s and early two thousands, and all through the '80s, album budgets typically minimum would be a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If you were a major mm-hmm. act, you're looking at two hundred thousand, three hundred, five hundred thousand dollars album right. budget. That was very typical when we started. So we did that first one for two thousand. So I said, guys, what if we went back and just did an almost all piano vocal, almost all hymns and classic Christian songs, kind of mirroring the very first album when we started, just to kind of put a capstone on this first twenty five years. And they were like, yes, let's do it. So we went and picked some songs. And I Put Your Hand in the Hand is one of those, you know, we definitely have a bunch of hymns on this album. But, you know, we've always loved, you know, I grew up in the 70s. I'm, I was born in 1970, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm a 70s kid and an 80s kid. Todd is, too. You know, he's a few years behind me. Um, so we've always loved that era of music, and especially in the Christian world. You remember, that? I mean, that's the Imperials, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Larry Norman and all, Andre Crouch, all oh, yeah. of those guys. All those guys, great, great, fantastic music. And on every one of our albums, we usually have some classic Christian songs that we always do, too, just because we love that genre, we love that era. So this time, I was like, man, let's do Put Your Hand in the Hand. I was like, I don't think anybody's cut it in a long time. And Anne Murray did it originally. Now, a lot of people may know it became a huge pop rock hit by a group called Ocean. That may be a lot of the version that, uh, that may be the version a lot of people know. Um, but also Elvis Presley cut it shortly after Anne Murray did. So a lot of people might know Elvis's version. Uh, he did one of his gospel albums in, I think, 1972. Uh, where he had a number of Gaither songs on there and stuff, but mm-hmm. he, did, I think he did that as well. But Anne Murray actually did it first, and that's the version I knew. Right. So I was like, man, I said, I think this would be a great pick because I think it'll bring a lot of nostalgia back for people like me. You know, I'm 52, so I remember that song as a kid. I was like, but if a lot of people, if this is new to them, I said, it's just so catchy and so singable. I said, I think the younger generation would really like it if they've heard it. And what was really cool, and that that kind of got pr- uh, played out. Uh, we were shooting a video for it. A little, it'll be out soon. But the crew was all in their twenties, and I asked them when we'd done, like you know, when we were finished. I said, "Have you guys heard that song before?" Because they were kind of starting to sing it. I was like, "Have your parents taught you that song?" Or do you? And they're like, "No, no." I said, "We've never heard it." And and they were like, "Now we can't get it out of our head." You know. <laughs> so they're like, "Oh my goodness!" They said, "We want this when it comes out." So. So, yes, that was just a, a song I'd love for a long time. And it, it kind of fit the mold of maybe like a classic Christian hit, you know. So mm-hmm. so we did that. We've got, um, you know, beautiful hymns on there like The Love of God and This, this Is My Father's World. Todd does a gorgeous version of Russ Taff, uh, you remember, or the, you remember Praise the Lord, that beautiful mm-hmm. song. So Todd does a killer version of that. So we, we definitely very much mirrored the first album, which was special. And then the second album... We thought it's been 20 years. So, so Sale is 25 years old. Mm-hmm. It's been 20 years since our first Christmas album. Our first Christmas album came out 20 years ago this year called Rose of Bethlehem, yes. which is one of my favorite albums we ever did. Yes. But all those years, 
we've uh, we've been asked to. I mean, fans for twenty years have been like, "You think you'll ever do another Christmas record?" And and the funny thing is, we don't have a Christmas album with Amy on it. And Amy mm-hmm. is our longest running female member. Amy's been with us now, I think, seventeen years, I believe. Wow. And so we never had a Christmas album with her. When we do our Christmas sets now and our tours, you know, she's singing songs from Rose of Bethlehem. So we were like, "Hey, you know." if we're going to do a second album, let's do a Christmas album and let's, you know, let's, let's, let's do that. And so we made it, we did it. And so it's called at this table, which is the title track. And Amy actually brought that song and it's a beautiful song, but I think it really sets the tone for the, you know, from the whole Christmas album. Yeah. I know I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I got to sample, you know, a little bit of both albums. And so uh, it's going to be awesome. And so if you're a Selah fan, you're going to love it. So. Yeah, it's a lot of music for Salem fans this year, and we're really excited about yeah. it. So, Alan, this next segment is uh, just simply titled Favorite Things, and I'm going to give you uh, a word or two, and you just give me your favorite thing. Oh, so okay. the first is, what is your favorite food? Hamburgers. <laughs> hamburgers, all right. And I kind of look like it, too, but I love them. How, how do you like it dressed? What do you okay. like on your hamburger? Nearly everything except tomatoes. Don't do tomatoes. Don't but, do oh, tomatoes. Yeah. Everything okay. else pretty much all the way. All right. Well, uh, do you have a favorite movie? Yes. Okay. Maybe a little obscure, but it's definitely searching out if your folks don't know it. It's from 1950. It's called All About Eve. And it okay. stars Betty Davis. It won Best Picture that year. And in fact, it, it won like 10. It won. The only movie that's won more Oscars than it is Titanic. So from 1950 wow. to the 90s. Titanic took the crown away, but it's just a, it's kind of like this backstage Broadway kind of thing. And, and like theater and movies have always fascinated me. So it's like this backstage look at a Broadway play and stuff. Mm-hmm. Great film. Great film. That's wow. my favorite. Uh, do you have a, a show to binge? Oh, uh, yeah. Like I have several. I'm trying to think one of my, I just, what did I just, finish? Oh, I just finished, um, 1883, you know, that the, with Tim McGraw okay. and Faith Hill. Uh-huh. And, oof, I mean, it was intense. It was good. I mean, the <laughs> cinematography was beautiful. So I kind of, I'll go through and try to pick different ones, you know, to find. And mm-hmm. Actually, I'm kind of benching right now. Old school is Columbo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I love Columbo. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. Uh, do you have a favorite artist of all time? Oh, my goodness. That's a toughie. I love so many. But yes, um, favorite female singer is Patsy Cline. Okay. Incredible vocalist. I love Dolly Parton and been able to work with her. Sure. I think she's incredible. And then, uh, but my, as far as the one that probably made the most impact on my life and my heart and God used to bring me back to him is a beautiful, wonderful singer. Her name is Cynthia Clausen and she's a, she's a Christian singer. She's, she started in the seventies and, uh, still makes beautiful records, but God really used her music. So I would say Cynthia, Cynthia's probably, Cynthia Clausen is my favorite female artist. Yeah. Do you have a, a dream duet? Uh, let's see. Um, you know, I've already rec- I've been fortunate enough so far over the 25 years. I've, I've recorded with Dolly and I've recorded with sure. Cynthia. It's been amazing. I would love, I would love to, I would love to record with Amy Lou Harris. Okay. Have you ever, uh, side note, but you're, you know, you guys did, um, uh, you raised me up, the Josh Groban hit. Uh, have you all ever thought about collabing with him? Or, you know, we haven't really talked about it much. But our one of our producers, who uh, one of our he was a friend of ours from college named Bernie Herms, 
Bernie, yep. of course, is married to Natalie Grant, produces mm-hmm. cast. You know, so many, Bernie's done a few tracks with us. Bernie works with Josh a lot. Okay. So if we ever, so we have a you know a, a two degree of Kevin Bacon within you know. So if we ever, <laughs> if we ever wanted to work with Josh, I wonder if we could talk to Bernie and see if we could whip something up. You know? Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, yes, chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a favorite podcast? Oh, you know what? I need to get more into them. I'm not. Uh, there's one I can't remember the name of it at the moment. It's a uh, cla- Turner Classic Movies. TCM does it, and it, they kind of go into the background of certain movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, why am I blanking on the name? But I like that one a lot. But I need to. Todd is huge in the podcast stuff. Mm-hmm. I need to start. People are starting to recommend more and more to me. Yeah. I need to start really diving in on the podcast game. Well, your new favorite would probably be, you know. This on the one. Top of your screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feels like y'all have funny. a ball. Yeah. And uh, what is your favorite Bible verse? Go to verse. Oh, okay. It's uh, Matthew. I, uh, I always reverse the numbers. I, I think it's Matthew 28 11. Uh, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yeah. And I just. Uh, Especially in today's world, you know, don't you think that verse, I think it just, it's Absolutely. always resonated with me, but, but we're just so hurried and noisy. Just, I love when Jesus says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Yeah, that's good. So Alan, uh, we know you got the two albums coming out this Friday. And yes. uh, when this, we're going to release this this week uh, to promote those two albums. And so what, what else is coming up for you guys and um, what can we expect? Man, I tell you, we have a, a the fall tours cranking up. We're get, we have a big Christmas tour. We're gonna do like twelve dates or twelve or thirteen dates in December, and the fall's starting to pick up. Just spot dates here and there. We're not like on a big official bus tour. This is more, you know, when COVID hit a couple of years ago. I mean, we're kind of still in the ramp. We're, everything's starting to come back. I think pretty good touring yeah. wise, but mm-hmm. but uh, we're ramping back up. But man, we've got good shows all through October and November. Then a big Christmas tour, and of course, uh, you know, we're always starting to work on new music. Now we're going to take a tiny little breather since we did two <laughs> two right. for this year, but not long. Like we'll start putting out. Um, you know, those were albums we definitely wanted to do in a physical format, but we we're also trying to do online singles about every six weeks or something like that. So we're always always recording you know yeah. we're so there a lot of and we have a lot of ideas of concept eps or albums that we'd like to do like you know we'd love to do you always hear about christmas albums we want to do an easter album you know you that know would be awesome it. yeah like resurrection songs or just songs celebrating easter so we'd like to do an easter album yeah. you know we'd like to do uh we definitely would love to do like a like just for fun on the side like a little 80s pop album just there you go like growing up 70s and 80s pop. i was stuff. thinking like a like a movie soundtrack album, yes. you know, cover your favorite movie songs or something. Absolutely. And, and Broadway, <laughs> we, it's already, we've already made a list of like some, you know, there's some beautiful Broadway songs, like really mm-hmm. powerful, like gorgeous, inspirational Broadway songs. Sure. We'd love to do something like that. So yeah. we have a lot of ideas rolling. So we're hopefully you're right. Hopefully uh, the 50th anniversary, all of these will have been out. <laughs> so to wrap up, I'd like to see if you'd be willing to share something that God has been doing in your life recently that would help, to build our listeners' faith. Mm. You know, um, he's been teaching me patience. Uh, I always thought I was a patient person. I, fairly uh, fairly okay on that, I thought. But um, but he's been teaching me a lot more about patience. You know, I've been working past couple of years. I've been working on my health, you know, losing weight and trying just trying to get healthier. You know, like mm. I hit my 50s. I turned 50 two years ago. 
So, uh, and then there's some, just some health things building up. You know, I, I've been on the road since I was in my 20s. So road life can really, you know, we've been on the road now for, and I was on the road with some country bands and things before Sela. So I've been on the road right at 30 years and that can, mm. you know, that can just kind of take a physical toll. And um, yeah. so I was starting to work on my health, but of course I was like, okay, I'm gonna change all this and do it. You know, you do it all, but but uh, so it was slow and steady, which is the best way to do things. You know, like to, especially losing weight instead of some kind of crash thing. And but I would be like, man, I want this to keep moving, and God would just keep saying, hey, he's like every day, just follow this path. I, I felt like he was laying out a path, and he was like, you know, even if it's one step a day two steps a day he was like walk this path with me he's like just stay this path stay the course stay steady we don't have to run just walk with me on this path and that that was helping me a lot on the health end but then just in life you know like sometimes i want things and again it's our society too i think we want instant gratification or instant change and uh i think god is much more in the business of diving in let's dive deep working in your heart and change true change can take a lot of time so he's been teaching me a lot of patience and i've been it's hard at times because you want it i mean i'm like hey let's go let's make this happen let's kind of you know but uh but it's been good because he's been like hey hey he's like wait for me walk i keep i just keep feeling him saying walk with me walk beside me i'm beside you walk with me at my pace on this road and that's uh i'm loving that it's a challenge sometimes but i love it it's a good word well, Alan, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with me today. And uh, I will say another suggestion for a song. Since you guys worked with, with Dolly yeah. Martin a few years back, I think you all should do 9 to 5 with her. You know what I'm saying? Some 9 hey, to 5. I, I love that song. In fact, I want, I want an 8th grade talent show just playing a piano version of that song in my school. <laughs> I love that song. That's good. Well, thanks, Alan, for sitting down with us. We certainly appreciate your time. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in this week. Be sure to keep up with us on all social media platforms at Christian Music Guys. Visit our website, christianmusicguys.com, to find out more information on upcoming episodes. Also, you can see there how to join our support team. We're certainly appreciative of all of our support team. See you next week.